Hey, it's February 23rd, and we're excited for another episode. <laughs> hey, where's Kim? This is ridiculous. Where's Kim? Kim, show, Kim showed up on, on, on the 16th, but you know, but the, since it's the 23rd, she's not here. Oh. <laughs> you got the All date right. wrong, man. All right, we're going home. All just, right. Uh, just put up, a, put up a help wanted sign. I would be here if Travis put the big glasses on. Yeah, I tried, <laughs> but they left them at home. It's time for Connect This. Connect this. Connect this <laughs> without Kim. Um, so Kim and I just hosted a Building for Digital Equity live stream. Travis, I would love your notes on it later when you uh, get around to it. Um, but uh, Kim, uh, turns out, can't spend her whole day with me. She has real work to do and uh, had to drop off here, uh, at which point we asked another two guests that we thought would be terrific, and neither of them could make it, and then we ran out of time. Uh, so whoever's in the chat room and wants to really jump in, uh, we might have space for you. and might be able to work that out. <laughs> Um, but we've got great topics. We got lots of opinions and, uh, we're ready to, uh, to jump into some, uh, in-depth analysis around some interesting topics, uh, at least one of which we disagree on. So that'll be fun. Um, I did note that I don't know that we can spend a lot of time on this, but the broadband grant tax relief bill was introduced in the Senate, I believe. Um, you know, Travis, as I feel like our resident skeptic of should government even exist, um, uh, you know, is it is it not disheartening to see like such an obvious thing that needs to get done and just like how months after months, nothing happens? Well, I, I did, Chris, send you my government education uh, video, you know, if you'd like to share that in the chat, because that is uh, about all I know. And something that seems fairly obvious to me will probably take them months to debate and negotiate. Right. Well, this was the this was the um, they worry about Ticketmaster service fees, which seems to be a real vital problem for the Taylor Swift concerts. I don't know, one or the other. Oh no, yeah. there's not going to be a bill in that. There's just going to be posturing and scapegoating um, on it, and okay. um, because um, there's way too much monopoly power to actually do something on that. But the um, so you sent me the how a bill becomes a law, at which point, and because of the conversation we were having, I pointed out that a rule is quite different from a law, uh, because of course it is. <laughs> Well, I was just telling you that my government education came from, you know, a bill on Capitol Hill video when I was a kid. So, yeah, right. how it actually works, I have no idea. But I know the United States of Dawson, Mitchell and Carter would get this passed quickly. So. Passed a week after the stupid thing. Yes. Right. And it's actually more than a year now. Right. It's like yeah. uh, maybe 16 months. <clears throat> Um, but the, for people who aren't tracking this because you're not watching this show religiously and reading our show notes that aren't even available to you, uh, what we're talking about is that the $42.5 billion that's going out, uh, all of the private companies that get that money, as well as some of the cooperatives and, and interesting partnerships and whatnot, will have to pay 20% of it back to the federal government in the form of taxes because it is viewed as taxable income because in 2017, the Republicans decided that that would be a really good idea. Um, and uh, they actually took authority away from the IRS to fix it. And so only Congress can fix this. And uh, that's where we are now, unfortunately. You think it'll get passed or what? I, I hope it will. It's just, it's like, Doug, what do you think? If it doesn't get passed, there's a lot of folks who are not going to take the grant money just because of that. I mean, it, yeah. it's expensive enough to take the grants if you need to take 20% extra. I mean, forget it. So. Yeah, for people who are, who are listening to Doug and they're like, you know what? Like, pff, Doug's just complaining. People are going to take the money. They're going to deal with it or whatever. Uh, Illinois has many ISPs, including cooperatives, who have given money back 
to the state of Illinois because the grant conditions are sufficiently onerous. And by that, I don't mean that they are mean-spirited or a bad idea, but they are in a, they are implemented in a way that has made it all but impossible for many rural operating companies and cooperatives to build networks with state subsidies in Illinois because of conditions that they put on it. We're trying to do an in-depth article to try and explain some of this and, and what's really at stake because this is not about like an argument over whether someone should be paid $10 a week, $10 a week. <laughs> People are really getting greedy out there. Well, I think, I think Chris should get $10 a week. Yeah. I'm, 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 this. I'm making my case for that right now. Whether or not people should get $10 an hour or $15 an hour. We're talking about like people who are making $75 an hour and whether they should be getting $125 an hour. And uh, if your business case is predicated on paying people $75 an hour, you can't often just step it up to 125 bucks an hour. So um, those are real numbers that I've heard. So um, it's a big deal. Well, has something changed in the last couple in the last year? Because like, let me give you an example. Like we were doing some of that <coughs> in Wisconsin and it was the best, easiest program I'd ever, I couldn't even believe it was a government program. It was so good that I was wondering if they all went to some like a uh, show somewhere and no. now the third grant is so onerous to deal with. I think we're just going to pass on it. And they, and they yeah. were surprised. They're like, really? Why would you pass? Like, well, look at all the new rules you have that are, are impossible to follow. So a couple of things. One is in Illinois, this has been an issue for longer than the last year or two. It's been an ongoing issue. Um, different pots of money that have come down from the federal government have come with different stipulations and states can also change their rules over time. So any one of those things could be uh, in play. But Travis, can you tell us a little bit about what changed, for instance? You know, I, I wasn't really, I didn't know we were. This was gonna be okay, well, can we talk about it in a future I will, show? But I, I will uh, on our next one. It's um, it was it was a lot about how you secure the assets. So usually what happens is your senior lender has a blanket security on all your assets. And now the state of Wisconsin wants to be in first position. Well, your senior can. lender, you can't do that. <laughs> right. And um, so it, it, it's based around that. And I'll, I'll get more information as to how, and I don't know why it changed. My guess is maybe fraud. I don't really know. But um Something. Yeah, else. I mean, and, and states should take no position in the assets. They're handing out grant money. They're not. Gonna, they yeah. don't own this stuff. That's crazy. That shouldn't and even so be in there. What so. probably happened, Travis, is that you have someone that is worried that they will give out money and that money will be misspent <laughs> or the network will go bankrupt through perhaps even no fault of the ISP, and then that person will look bad for having given that project public dollars. And but if that happened, the state would now have a lien on nothing. So how good is that lane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what I was going to say was just that like, there's a whole dynamic here, which comes back to um, often people in Congress. And I think more often Republicans who are trying to talk about how government spends too much money. They attack the projects that may not work out. And then government officials that are the bureaucrats who are handing out the dollars <coughs> are worried that they're going to show up in a press release from a Senate office or something like that. And so they start getting super risk averse and start trying to attach all these conditions and it's inappropriate. Like it's just, it's totally wrong. And, um, and I just, just described the, it's common. you just described big grants. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what they are. As risk averse as possible. Yeah. So then, then it just makes it hard for people like you to do good projects, and it's frustrating. Yep. yep. 
Um, a couple of other items that we have in the, the lead issue. We got, well, let me just give people a sense. One is, uh, we'll talk about this later, but um, more people are signing up for a gigabit connection. Um, we've got more evidence of uh, big providers as well as a few small providers lying about their coverage on maps for political reasons. Uh, we'll talk about Starlink's role in this particularly. I'm going to ask Doug how he would change Reconnect if he could. A uh, massive project that has a lot of paperwork, but has really gotten money out to good projects, I think. Um, and uh, some other some other like smaller issues about uh, involving uh, what New York City is doing for public housing and uh, the Idaho State Broadband uh, uh, Awards. Uh, so two of them are going to open access projects, which is kind of cool. So, uh, but we're going to say something. Someone going to say something there. I heard. Okay. Here's the chomp. Kim was Kim was going to jump in. That's what was going on. Um, and then we were going to talk about line extensions too, because we talked about that last time we teased it. Um, but one other quick hit is just that there's a bill in Nebraska again. I'm really hopeful for this. It would allow public entities to engage in dark fiber sales and leases, because right now um, uh, Nebraska is, I think, the only state that has this um, this requirement <laughs> that makes it all but impossible for uh, localities, including, I think, electric cooperatives to lease their dark fiber. Uh, so just, just I mean, this is one of those things. I remember, I remember, I wasn't paying attention when I went through, but I talked to people who were there in 2005. And Doug, you remember this, but I bet, I bet Travis didn't, um, which is that in 2005, we could just talk briefly about history here. We can, we can do whatever we want without Kim. Um, but um, there's a big fight between like uh, the, the, the big incumbent cable and telephone companies versus like Microsoft and Dell and Intel and others that wanted to see more Wi-Fi networks. And there's the idea that Wi-Fi networks would be the third pipe into the house. And so there was legislature after legislature, state after state, uh, the big cable and telephone companies were trying to prevent cities from being able to build uh, Wi-Fi networks. And uh, in Nebraska, the Public Interest Coalition, which is also working with Dell and Intel and uh, Microsoft and others who wanted to see more networks out there and not have uh, Internet access uh, be controlled by a few big companies. Um, uh, anyway, then in Nebraska, they thought that the legislature was not going to pass one of these bills to limit it. And then at the last second, they did, um, likely because of the power of U.S. West at the time. And they went all the way to saying not just that cities couldn't build like a, a Wi-Fi network, but they couldn't even lease dark fiber, which was an overreach beyond anything else we'd seen. So, Doug, what do you remember of that time? That's what I remember. And it was a move... You got to remember, even back then and still today, the incumbent telephone companies make an absolute fortune selling transport, just a pipe from one town to the next. So this was a way for them to protect those revenues because that's one of the most profitable things they sell. And so they were keeping a competitor out of the market. The Wi-Fi one was is so funny because Wi-Fi was never going to work, but every but they were all stirred up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, there's this crazy thing, Travis. I don't know if you've heard of it before, but but vendors of this wireless equipment claim that it could do a lot more than it actually could. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that in your experience? <laughs> well, wait, 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 wait. He might need to ask him about that. Well, remember, we built Minneapolis out with Wi-Fi to the tune of 2,500 wireless nodes. And uh, what was interesting at the time is the vendors came in and said, oh, you need about 1,000 Wi-Fi nodes to cover the city. And when really you needed two and a half times. So 
Um, I, I I never believe the uh the, the spec sheets that hardware vendors put out, which is the reason I always just buy the stuff and see if it works. Kind of our tar Tarvana, you know, program that we've been running. But, Tarvana uh, for those who are actually yeah, trying yeah. to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So diner dinner Tarana Tarvana. Those are the uh, the uh, yes. I, well, I eat and Tarzana. Let's not forget Tarzana. Tarzana. <laughs> but you know, you know what's kind of interesting about this topic. I don't know a lot about it, but here's what I know about it from a practical standpoint. Do you, if I can, in my career, the number of people that have said, "Why is this such a problem?" There's a fiber line. To, to you know like a half a mile down the street from me and why can't you guys hook into that to serve these communities and i'm like oh that is owned by the government you know either the city really? the county okay and, oh, all street the lights whatever everything traffic. Yeah. And, and i'm like well no we, we can't use that because that's owned by the city and that and as i'm staring at the taxpayer it's so confusing that hold on we bought that thing and we can't use it to bring us service i'm like welcome yep. Welcome. Yeah, no, so. and I think, and there's multiple reasons for that. I mean, one one is that the cities don't want to get in, don't want to <laughs> upset the big cable and telephone companies that that are lobbyists and that um, both um, uh, often have um, uh, positions on powerful nonprofits in the city because it's not just about the lobbying dollars. There's all kinds of ways that the big cable companies exert influence. There's also fiber lines that have been built with E-rate dollars or with um, other universal service fund dollars or with other federal dollars where they're not able to share that with others. It's a siloed network that was built. Yep. And so there's, there's actually a variety of reasons for why government may be keeping off and probably most of those reasons are actually on net negative well and I, I have a question for doug related to this because the, the number of cities i've met with and i always ask him one question where are your fiber assets and a high percentage of the time they're like we have no idea right and that's they don't because even, the isps are not required to tell them well they don't even know what they have no, yeah, he's saying the publicly owned ones. Public, yeah. well, like, like the IT department at the city has no idea what Public Works has. Public Works has no idea what the water department. You know, all these different because they were all built. Chris just said it. They were yeah. built with different grants at different times. They didn't yeah. coordinate. They just said, "Here's a grant to connect a couple of traffic lights to fiber." So they did it. They yeah. didn't turn around and say, "Does any other department want to use this?" They they didn't happen. In fact, well, the grant may have said the grant may have said they couldn't do that, and so. Well, that's yeah, and this is where yeah. we, we wrote about Santa Monica more than 10 years ago. They were the poster child for getting it right. They coordinated this. They were smart about it. Cities could do that. Um, you know, I feel like one of the things we see from cities right now is I feel like a lot of them still have this idea. We're going to talk about how important this is, but secretly we're going to put our heads in the sand and just hope that over the next five years, other people solve it and we don't have to worry about it. And I got news for them. That's, that's not going to do it. And it's not going to happen. The example that I use, and Doug, you know, I think you might have more of a reaction to this, but um, if I call up Public Works, like if I pick a random phone number out of a Public Works directory in any city, the person that answers the phone, if I ask them, tell me a little bit about the difference between concrete and blacktop as as a road, you know, like what's the, what, what are the pros, cons, you know, trade-offs, they'd be able to tell me that. Yes. And yet there's almost no one in a city, almost no one who could tell me about the difference between wireless fiber or different technologies within them. Right. That's wrong. That's going to have to change. Mm -hmm. So you agree, Doug? I'll completely agree. That's absolutely how it works. Yeah. So silence is complete agreement. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm going to start using sign language. <laughs> <laughs> um, Doug, have you been not have you been tracking these? And, and Travis, did you read the Ars Technica pieces I put up in the, yeah. in the show notes? Um, uh, I think Ars Technica, John Brodkin's been doing a great job. You know, Carl Bodie's been on this beat forever, doing great work. Uh, but it's interesting to me just how many of these uh, of the companies are lying. Like, I didn't. I'm not surprised that Nextera is um you know is is mis is mislabeling uh their service and and i would say potentially lying about it i am kind of surprised that comcast and t-mobile and verizon are doing as much of it as we're seeing in terms of of erroneous claims i'm a little surprised by comcast because you know they simply have to show by house where they're at and why would they show places they're not at i mean what kind of miscommunications was there and you never know i mean again I don't think Comcast knows what they have, and that kind of proves the point. Right, because I think may, somebody I think this, may have had a map once where they intended to build that neighborhood and never build it. I mean, right, because I right. think this was a TCI piece. I think, and yeah, this exactly. this one in Ars Technica from Colorado, I think, was an old TCI network. And let's be clear, that was not Comcast, right? I mean, like yeah. Comcast bought it after AT and T bought and, it, and and, T, you know, and and they probably gave them no maps or records. Right, <laughs> and, and so the people who built it have retired. Yeah, and so it could just be a mistake. Now, the reaction to being told it was wrong was typical Comcast. Oh no, we're going to fight this. Like, no, you don't. You don't have any wires there. You know, I mean, how it's so obvious, right? That's Comcast. They're just they, they don't ever want to give in to anything the government asks them. That's just a a corporate policy. Everything has to be controversy, and, and so you know, and that's been working very good for them over the years. The other ones are completely different. The wireless companies, first off, it's almost impossible to map cellular networks because the distances change with speeds, things interfere with them. And so, and they have a second motivation. For years, they've been telling the world, remember those big red maps Verizon puts on TV right. all the time? Those are complete lies. <clears throat> and and they, they can't, they don't want to just come and get honest all of a sudden, like, oh, we're not really covering 90% of the country. We're covering 42% of the country. Yeah, I drove across a substantial <laughs> part of Arizona. In, and there's um, no coverage. Right. In Yeah, in, in December, I drove across a substantial part of Arizona. And it turned out my wife and I were both on Ting. Um, and I, I love Ting, although then it got turned into Dish, and I haven't been as happy with it. At some point, Dish had switched me over to the T-Mobile network, whereas my wife stayed on Verizon, which is where I wanted to be because they resell these networks. But they, Dish, I think, has a better deal with T-Mobile that they want to push you on. And boy, we could tell because across a lot yeah. of Arizona, I had nothing. And right. she had a whole lot of Verizon coverage. But, you know, you can't go to any rural county and not find humongous holes in the, in the cellular coverage. And so, you know, so on top of that, T-Mobile lied because T-Mobile actually, when they bought Sprint, they had an obligation to cover a certain percentage of the company by now. And they haven't done it. So they're showing their mm -hmm. I'm complying with the law map, not <laughs> the real map. And so that so that's just flat out lying. So both of them, I mean Verizon and Verizon and ATT lied because they've for years advertised a false map. So the cellular companies are up against it because if they make their the pro, here's the very interesting problem for them. The FCC's thinking about giving nine billion dollars out to expand rural cellular coverage. And according to the stupid reporting these guys are making, they don't need it. Right. <laughs> it's like, guys, but, but if they report honestly, they're going to be killed by the public. 
but the public already knows they're not there. People who live in these rural areas know it doesn't work. So, you know, they'd need to come clean and it's going to be hard to talk them into it. I mean, I bet they're having a really ugly debate inside the company between the marketing folks and the engineering folks. Yeah. Travis. You know, well, I was curious when you were driving across Arizona, you were you on the major interstate you were driving? Yep. Or were you... Well, both yeah. interstate and then also state roads. And so and, I was shocked. Coverage, no, that's where the coverage is good. Yeah, no, and that's like I was up by Holbrook and I was shocked at how bad my my T Mobile was. I was actually kind of wondering if I um I uh like if I need to re reboot my phone or something, like if something had just gone wrong in the radio, uh, because I was so surprised. I mean, I remember I've tried to do this show over cellular, and I so we have Sprint or what do we have? T-Mobile, Verizon, and AT&T on here. None of them are that any good, and we're not now. Imagine go twenty miles off the interstate. Oh boy, yeah, right. good, good luck. Now it's fine for a phone call here and there, but actually try to do any data. Yeah, good luck. I, yeah. I heard, I heard, I heard a quote. Best marketing line I've heard all year: "Phone internet is not home internet." <laughs> right and it's very true it's very true very true yeah there was a yeah. uh, it's, it's maybe four or five years old now but this california public utility commission had done a test where they had um uh done a driving test of of um mobile internet access and found that there was no location in california where you could get 25 three more than 98 percent of the time right yeah. and the now, that's not true anymore because the speeds in cities are now, I mean, I get 140 at my house. The speeds in cities have come way up, but, but not as soon as you get away from cities. So. Right. But even within cities, I'm still, I'm still surprised how much when, if I go uh, half a mile south of here, I will uh, potentially, I will almost lose most of my data and I will potentially lose voice for like two or three blocks, depending on how fast I'm moving. Oh yeah. That's the little goals. My house, I get AT&T strong. I can't get Verizon at all, period. And I'm the, the, the Wands point is, is spot on. <coughs> and this is the funny, remember they do packet prioritization on speed tests. So you might get 140 megabit. Try to hold this, this podcast. Mm -hmm. not, not <coughs> well, their latencies are bad to start with. And then what they do is they prioritize voice over data. And they just, they just cut the data down to nothing if there's a lot of people using their phone. Yep. So, yeah. I'm telling you, any place where there's a fiber provider, the other incumbent technologies are going to work pretty well. So that's, I, that's right. because I'm, they'll have offloaded a lot of half of the people. I'm sticking to that story forever. And, yep. you know, the real fun test we should have talked about is the season finale of football last weekend. Bandwidth was, you know, that that is the all time high capacity. Season finale of football. I love you, Travis. They had that, right? You know, they, football. When they had that. Football, the final episode. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it like season 70 final episode? You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the, was, um, the bandwidth was through the rough this year. Right. So on this topic, two more things, though. One is uh, I just love the Jefferson County Cable Company, which is not owned by the county, but is like within Jefferson County in Ohio, I guess. And they straight up told the person, yes, we, we lied about our service because we do not want someone to get a grant to come in and compete with us. Sure, sure. <laughs> just, Beautiful. Well, I think you're pretty much guaranteed somebody's going to get a grant there. Yeah. And what's the penalty if you lie about it? Well, uh, we'll find out. I think we make fun of you on the show. <laughs> yes. yeah. I don't know. I'm Doug. Do you think that they will get fined? I do not no. think there will be any punishment. No, but I think that they will give the state will give a grant to somebody, though. 
Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, the state the state will find somebody to take a grant there so they compete against them. Right. In fact, they might they might find a grant to cover some of their other territory. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't when, when you're that. dumb enough to jam, because they're essentially thumbing their nose at the state broadband office, not the feds. Yeah. They're going to get them. So yeah, why, why don't they just report correctly and get the grant then if it's so good? That right. is the question. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Why? Well, I guess they're afraid they can't compete on the grant with the big guys. I don't know. I don't know. I've met so many people in this industry that get technology drunk. They, they get so adamant <laughs> on whatever technology they're running. So I, I, the WISPs are notorious for this. Well, this is this is the fact that Chris can buy a, a gigabit wireless at his house. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, yeah. they, they, they're like, nope, we're a WISP. We're only ever going to be a WISP, and that's all we are is a WISP, and we're going to defend it till the end of time. It reminds me of these guys I met back in the day that were trying to do internet over power lines. Remember yeah. that technology thing? Man, these guys rode that to the bottom of the ocean and died. They died on yes. the bottom. I'm like, at some yeah. point, throw in the towel and bring in a different technology. Yeah, they were at like one or two megabits. There was like a city, uh, Princeton, Princeton, yeah. Illinois, Manassas, Virginia were two places. Manassas had it. I went down and looked at that system. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was like yeah. one megabit a second, I think, with yeah. interference, right? Like they yeah. had issues. Yeah. Um, so the other piece of the story <laughs> as, we, as we get to wrap, wrap it up, um, uh, Starlink, I feel like this is one of those ones that's interesting in that like they technically are they're violating the the requirements by claiming they can offer all this service when they have waiting lists in so many areas. And so well, it's, I'm it's worse than that. I, I've I've looked around the country because I work in a lot of places and I always just look some places they're claiming 100. Some places they're claiming 150 and in some places they're claiming 250. It's like it's the same satellites. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like, how how are there? Like, so let's sit, so you got one no, orbital nobody's, path. Nobody's 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 hitting two fifty on their speed test nationwide. So how can they claim that? Yeah, yeah. And of course, when they start claiming those high speeds, they're trying to say you can't get grants here. We're here, but you know, every the FCC, the NTI already said we're ignoring them for grant purposes. So. Are are we still totally fascinated with speed in these grants? Oh, absolutely. Because here, here's the reality. So, and you guys have seen it. Like I'm on Starlink right now. Look at the, I mean, this thing, this thing works perfect. Perfecter for a wireless technology. LTE would be d disaster. So is it the speed anymore or is it the reliability and the consistent usability of it? That's not one of the considerations because okay. nobody knows how to do it. Yeah, this is, I mean, I well, think here, here's the you answer. hit 100 megabits in the home, at that point, reliability becomes more important than speed as you're going up incrementally, I think. Here's the answer, Travis. The grants say that the latency has to be below 100 milliseconds. It doesn't have anything to do with lost packets and any of the other yeah. things that matter. And, and all these technologies are generally below that, but that's not what the issue is. It's not the latency, it's all the other factors. So if we, if we cheat the speed test results, which are pretty easy to do, that's it doesn't matter. It still right. qualifies. Huh? Okay. Right. This well, is which is why it's great that people take Google because if you take a Comcast speed test, they tell you you're doing great. If you're dumb enough to use the company's own speed test. <laughs> yeah. I so I wanna I wanna warm any any members of my staff that are um, watching that you need to warm your eyes up because you're about to roll them because this is one of the things that I go into from time to time, which is like, there is a, how, how much, how do you know how much, how much gas goes into your car or into your RV when you fill it up, Travis? How do I know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the pump says, 
But yeah, dude, why, why would you trust the pump? Like, what if they just told you that it was, if it was like twice, if they told you it was twice as much as they really dispensed? Well, I, I, because I don't have any choice. Well, because the state evaluates it, it has a way, a, a team right. that goes around and tests these things, and there are punishments for non compliance. Right. We don't have anything like that for any of these internet connections. Oh, yes, and I'm not do. saying that it necessarily has to be. We're going to have, we're gonna have broadband labels, Chris. Broadband <laughs> <laughs> labels are like a step in the right direction. I mean, I think they're a step in the right direction, but like, I feel like there's regulation, which is, you know, sort of like um, one regulation would be you have to offer this price. Another regulation is you just have to be honest about like right. what you're doing, right? Like, like how, what are your packets, you know, like how many are getting through? And so I've nearly busted my Comcast cap two out of the last four months and I busted it the other two. I don't really know if I did or not. You know, Comcast right. just told me I did. Well, let me ask you this though. So 10 gallons comes out of the pump, right? That they, 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 they regulate, you know, kind of weights and measures, right? Do they regulate the octane that comes out of the pump? They do measure that, yes. Do yeah. they? Okay. okay. Yes, they and the thing is that they actually have to, it gets complicated. And this is where like this gets dumb, but like the the amount of volume that comes out will change based on the temperature. And so yes. you actually have to like come up with a testing scheme that like takes all that into account, which is where people get annoyed at like the specificity, but like this is why it happens. But but I feel I feel like with this with these with these speed tests they're only testing the volume they're not testing the octane. Right. I think you're right about that exactly, and I think that's the thing is that like it would be like so this is what happened with Volkswagen right with the EPA testing where they like just they just figured out how to game the tests right. and um and they got fined <laughs> billions of dollars I believe is what the final yeah, amount was, was right it was big yeah. And maybe even maybe even more than tens I mean, of billions of dollars. They built it right into the chip to cheat. <laughs> and so, and so the question is, like, you know, is it going to be in, in our lifetimes in which we see this? Because um, the incentive when you have uh, so few providers is that they're going to be looking for ways to cheat and lie well, about their. I'm going to give you the answer. I'm going to give you the answer, and you're not going to like it. All we need is to get a fifth commissioner. <laughs> because remember when you say nobody's regulating it we don't regulate broadband right now it's not regulated at all right there's almost no regulation if if 10 years ago we, there was 100 regulation on a scale today it's four we've eliminated almost every single rule so there isn't anybody who can look at these things there is no regulator the fcc washed their hands and in most states the states follow the FCC lead, so the state commissioners did it. Now, states have the authority to step into the void, but so far, only California and a few others have done any stepping into the void. In so part because no it's still regulation. Defined. It's yeah. not, the, the courts are still trying to figure out, um, right. I think, where the line is for how far states can go. Right. Um, in the in the confirmation hearing that Gigi just had, her I believe people are saying it's a record third confirmation hearing. Um, she had made a, a very strong point, which is that the public service, the 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 FCC, um, a public utility commission, needs to have at least one person on it that has a consumer regulation background. And I don't think people realize that like the four people on the commission, uh, you know, they they're not like background as regulators; they're corporate lawyers. Like that's right. where they come from. They're either creatures of Congress and or they're corporate lawyers or they're both. Uh, you know, so um, now I, I, Jeffrey Starks has some private sector experience, and I don't know as much about the two Republicans, frankly, because I don't, I don't think they really care that much <laughs> about talking to me. It's not a big deal. So, um, so I don't know as much about their backgrounds, but like the FCC does not have a person on it that actually like has a background in regulation and in consumer protection. 
But if you go to the definition of regulation in the, in the textbooks, it's supposed to be weighting corporate interest and the public's interest equally. That's what regulation is supposed to be. We don't do the public side here for hardly for anything, not just broadband. But that's where also I just and I feel like I, I would put a note in there that I feel like when we talk about weighting it, the weight right now, I feel like is like 80, 75, 80 percent of like the top 10 telecom companies in the U.S. and everyone else is weighted against that. I would like to see an FCC and I think it would be reasonable to have an FCC where you weight industry highly, but industry includes 2200 ISPs, not 10. And right now it's weighted against the 10 biggest ones. People like Travis don't even exist as far as the FCC is concerned. But, but I'm sorry, Travis, 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 you can't talk. You don't exist. Yeah, but, 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 but what, <laughs> let's, let's play this out. What do I need the FCC for? No, I think you <clears throat> should have access to the FCC um, when the rules are being made so that um, you know, if there's subsidies available, companies like yours would have access to them so that when they're designing the ACP program, uh, that they're, it's not designed only for the big companies and their like massive teams to access it, but small ISPs would have access to it. Uh, that when they have procedures for dealing with complaints. Those procedures work for small companies. I would argue that Travis doesn't ever want the FCC to regulate because he benefits greatly by the cable companies. Of music. Exactly. Because they're not regulated and they do stupid stuff. Every time, every time they abuse a customer, they end up with Travis. So he doesn't want them to be regulated to do a good job. I don't know if the small ISPs do. I mean, if if, let's say the FCC with their mandated, everybody did an amazing (laughs) job. All you would have is large ISPs in this country. That's it. All the little guys. No, you wouldn't. if, If let's say the FCC came down and said every incumbent provider in the nation, right? you had to do this amazing job, it would blow out the small companies. Just they the paperwork. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but that's also an impossibility in that I, I feel like the, again, speaking of things I've studied more in books and talking to people and living through the um, in the 80s with the, the cable companies and then the response to that with like the attempts to regulate cable companies in the 90s, I don't think there's any way the FCC can engage in that high level of regulation effectively. And so I don't think it's a good idea to go down that path, but other people in the public interest agree, disagree with me. Well, no. well here's, here's what See, I mean, there's one thing you can regulate folks to tell them to do a good job. What At least they should punish you for really screwing the public. Yeah. Travis, no. what were you going to say? Yes. I'm saying, I mean, and I don't know if this falls under the FCC, but what they could do to help is ease regulations like uh, railroad crossings, uh, pole attachments. You know, yeah, unfortunately, we need states and the federal government yeah. to do that. I mean, the Congress. Whoever that falls, yeah. because right. that would yeah. really help. But regulating the crap out of ISPs, oh, great. That's all we need. Yeah, no, and that's, that's, that's one of the things that I just, when I say this, like, and we get off this topic in a second, um, but... I do think it's important. There's two ways in which the FCC should be more responsive. One is it needs to more weight the experience of small ISPs. And by that, I mean, when the FCC takes any actions, it should be better informed as to how that's going to impact the the 2,200 ISPs that are smaller versus the 10 that are huge. Um, And then the other one is, is that on the access of the public, I think there needs to be much more of a focus on the public and actually doing things that matter. Just, Just as an example, right? There's this digital discrimination docket. And 
you know, I've, I find it hard to hide my contempt for it in that I do not believe the FCC is going to do anything on digital discrimination. Of course, the FCC on the mapping process has proved it does not care about public input on its maps, no matter how bad the maps are. Every state that has no capacity for this right now is going around wasting time trying to deal with these maps. It's, it's crazy. And now the FCC's digital discrimination group is doing field hearings in 10 different places. They just announced they're doing Los Angeles next week. They gave them seven days to prepare. Awesome. Is there a better example of how little the FCC cares about getting input from the public than giving seven days notice for what looks to be like, I don't know, like a five or six hour hearing potentially with two hours of listening to the FCC talk about their programs followed by public comments? No. And, and each person who comments will probably get three minutes. <laughs> yeah. So or, or, if, or, you can comment on it or not, but that was our Kim free rant. <laughs> <laughs> or, or take the 2200 ISPs that we had to do all this reporting. I didn't need, I didn't have time to do all this reporting for these yeah. maps to go into a bead program that we don't even qualify for. Yeah. And then I, now I got to deal with these people that want to argue what we have or we don't have and respond back to those all. I mean, for what? So there, there, there you go. You know, if, if they want to be helpful, remove the regulations, just stay out of the way. Let, let people compete because this you know, is... what? I, I like the competition and yeah, I don't want to, I, I just feel like we're in a middle ground of like failed regulation with an FCC that uh, is like tries to hide its contempt of anything outside of DC. And I hope that Gigi is able to rein that in some and help help change the culture a bit. Um, I don't know how likely that is uh, she is to succeed there, but like that needs to happen. <laughs> so final, final input, since I know very little about the government. What is the current definition of broadband by the FCC currently? 25.3. Well, let's be clear. That's the FCC. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's worse than that. It's worse than that, Travis, in that the FCC's definition is 25.3. Some states have it lower. When you say the government, let's be clear about this, right. right? For a bunch of agencies that are giving out money, the definition is 120. For others, it's a different thing. In Maine, they have a definition of 100 symmetrical, I think. Like, Minnesota's there is no 100 agreement. symmetrical. Minnesota's 100 symmetrical. Well, yeah. okay. So we should be regulated by a group that thinks broadband is 25.3. It's a group that until 2015, 2015, until 2015, it thought it was 200 megabits or 200, 200 kilobits in one direction. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, am I wrong? Was it? No, it was 4-1 before that. It was like it was 2012. It was 4-1 yeah. until 2015. Yeah. Oh, so can I, ask no, no, a real, yeah. can I ask a dumb question? And maybe I should know this. Why do we have an FCC then? So the FCC, I mean, the FCC... I think an answer to that is, is different technologies have come up. There has been need for uh, oversight and regulation. Some of that has been to make sure that um, the cable companies are, um, I shouldn't say the cable companies, the broadcast companies are not using the public airwaves in ways that are against the public interest by using the George Carlin seven words. Um, you know, they, they are, they exist to, to do the universal service fund to try to make sure all Americans have good access. The FCC does a ton of stuff, right? And some of it, it does really well, like making no, the sure that these devices don't interfere, well. right? Like they, they make sure that each frequency is only used for the purpose it's supposed to be. Right. right. And, and like this they're, goes they're pretty, through, and they're pretty good at that. And this yeah. goes through testing to make sure there's no unintentional, like, you know, um, uh, wireless, um, interference with other devices. So there's stuff it does well, um, 
But at the same time, it's kind of interesting because people talk about like whether or not the FCC should engage in price regulation. And right now it's not in clear what the FCC, the FCC would have to like literally regulate the um, the wireless companies differently from the cable companies differently from the telephone companies because of the way uh, Congress has given them authority over the years, which is why some people think we need to rewrite the Telecommunications Act of 1996 to bring it all back together. But the Never rest happened. of us are deathly afraid of that happening because we think Verizon and Comcast are the ones that are going to write everything or AT&T. That's why it's a mess is that how, you know, about, we have all these competing interests. How about an FBC, the Federal Broadband Committee, and all they do is worry about broadband policy because is the FCC ever going to get it done? So let's just be clear here. Um, Mark, 40 minutes, 47 seconds, I think it is on my on my clock here. Travis wants more government. He does. He <laughs> said this it. Is, this is where that comes from, Travis. It's no, a very okay, good answer. If, if no, there's a very good point. And like, right. But like, this is why new programs are established and things like that. And at the same time, stuff the FCC does would not be transferred over to the FBC. And then you just have more and more of this stuff growing over time. It's just that's okay. why that's why it's hard work. No, I'm just saying if, if it's needed and this particular group is not getting it done, I mean, didn't they come out with like some space force for our space army now or something, you know, that because apparently whoever was supposed to be doing it before wasn't doing it. So I don't just I, remember, I'm they, just I'm just a they, dummy. They just this. came up with a space force because it was a really cool looking logo. Let's be and it, it was a decent television <laughs> show, too, on Netflix. All right. I want to I want to bring us back. These are good questions and fun discussions. But I was surprised to see this. And uh, um, Doug, I don't know if you, I so I'll be honest. I don't always read your site because like there's mornings where I just get up and then I never have a chance to do anything fun for the whole day. Um, but the percentage of U.S. broadband subs on one gig tiers climbed to 26% in the fourth quarter of 2022, more than double the 12.2% observed in the year ago period, according to OpenVault. And that's from um, a broadband <laughs> insights report from OpenVault. So that's more than a doubling to a quarter of the U.S. population, from what I'm saying. We're not entirely sure that that's true because UCLA also does that statistic and they have a pretty different number. The open the open vault number came from a survey of 1,760 homes, and they could have just gotten it wrong. The fact is, it's growing tremendously. Even per UCLA, like three years ago, it was like three percent, and according to UCLA, at the end of the third quarter, it was up to 15 percent. So the fact is, it's been it's been exploding during the pandemic. Whether it's really 26 or not, those two firms will disagree, but it's way bigger than it used to be. So I bet I would bet that they will both agree it's probably over 20 now. So at least one in five homes is subscribing to a gigabit. And we're sitting here worried about getting rural places 120, you know. So it's like, wait a minute, what, shouldn't the rural folks get at least what the cities are getting? I, I would think so, because that's the mandate that uh, the uh, Telecom Act of 1996 said. But they, the, the FCC conveniently keeps forgetting that mandate. So, Travis, what are you seeing? Uh, actually, over 60% of new subscribers are gigabit now. Wow. Actually, very. it was actually a very surprising statistic. Yeah. You know, and that's your middle tier? Well, that's not, Right now, that's our top tier. Now, two and a oh. half gig. Well, I mean, we have a 10 gig tier, but we have exactly, I don't know, half a dozen people on that. But the, uh, the one Bring gig. Bring it to St. Paul. I'll be the seventh. <laughs> well, it's, you know, one gig is the most popular. And... Um, I guess people just assume for an extra ten bucks a month, uh, it's it's worth it if in those instances where they need it, and that's what, always that's always and there, 
what's the application, right? But the reason it's not 60% everywhere, a lot of places, that's 40 and 50 and $60 extra to get it. And that, that's a big ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in our yeah. world, it's only $10 more. No, I was just going to ask you, Travis, yeah. how much is it for real, though? Is it real? Like, if I, my bill, like, what's all, where all sneaky fees do you include in there? Well, no, that's why I don't. That's why I don't want this FCC to fix all these problems, right? No, there's no fees. You know, you just say your your bill is what your bill is. Just like, just like all most internet services, right? You know, ten bucks, ten, you know, or whatever Netflix is. It's not, you know, franchise fees, garden fees, you know, green tree fees, all these fees. It's just, it's sixty, seventy dollars. That's it. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, I'm kind of starting to get in favor of green tree fees now that I've heard <laughs> I'm going to write a blog on this, Travis. You, you want to? I got. I got to pull out this CenturyLink bill and send it to you, Doug. Oh, Unbelievable! Yeah. Please do. Please. The do. number of fees on there, and you're, right. you're looking at this stuff going. Huh, and most of them are not taxes; they're things that they pocket. Yes. Yeah, like their like their uh, central office fee. Right. I wish. I wish I could pay the central office fee. They keep every like video game I play on my phone, every place where I could get these stupid digital ads. I get century like, why aren't you on our fiber? And I'm like, because you're not on my street. You're two streets away. Improve yep. your geolocation of ads. It's frustrating. <laughs> um, the city of New York. Um, we've talked about this a little bit before, but there's another interesting development. Um, under the under the de Blasio administration, there was really great that work that was done, a really just tremendous report um, that I think is a great example for any large city to consider how they should get involved in improving Internet access, which was basically the city dramatically improving uh, what we might think of as middle mile or near last mile availability of fiber and other places, again, the colos where um, people could plug in on the neighborhood level. And um, they were working with like nine different ISPs or more uh, that were going to be taking advantage of this to be able to really bring competition throughout um, the, the five boroughs. And uh, the new mayor came in, Mayor Adams, and not only did he shelve that and say that they're paying $30 million a year to the big cable and come to um, uh, to the big cable companies, Charter, Cable Vision, or Altis, and um, and Verizon now, I think. Um, maybe it's just the two cable companies. Um, they're paying $30 million a year. They're actually asking uh, some nonprofit organizations that had wired uh, f uh, public buildings, public housing, the NYCHA, New York City Housing Authority buildings uh, with service that was providing good service at 10 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month. Um, the city is asking those um, solutions to be taken down so that the city can instead subsidize cable companies delivering their crap service. Uh, it's truly a remarkable <laughs> approach. What? Yeah, it, it's a complete gift. Obviously, obviously, it's politicians giving into to uh, some pretty large campaign donations. So yes, they're like, let me let me show you why you don't need to regulate us. So um, it's it's just unbelievable, especially when they're asking nonprofits to take down their infrastructure. That's just almost. Yeah, so Travis, you, this is believe, so, yeah. you've had this issue in Minneapolis where you're willing to work. Uh, this is a place where the public housing had invited people in to solve the problem and now is being told to tell those people to get their stuff out so that the cable companies can have free reign on those people that live there. Hold on. So in layman's terms, so uh, uh, an ISP built a, a network inside these public housing developments and was providing a service and now the city's coming in and saying, take it out. Yeah. Oh, well, that makes total sense. 
Yeah. Okay. Now, let me talk about the middle mile a little bit, because the middle mile in New York City is the most complicated thing in the yeah. country. Remember, Verizon was mandated to serve everybody. And as soon as they started to try to do it, the business, the owners of all the buildings said, hey, I want a very giant, because they were going to connect wires from building to building to building up in the air, because that's the only way to get around these blocks. It's yeah. so expensive to dig in the streets there. And that's what Verizon had in mind. And the cities, the, the building owners had just gone through a period where they all spent, they got huge income for people putting things on their roof. So they said, my building is valuable infrastructure. And they went to Verizon building by building and said, I want this giant fee before you can cross from me to the next building. So Verizon never got more than 30% of the city built because they just wouldn't give in to these humongous fees. 30% of the city by housing units, I'm guessing. By housing units. And this middle mile basically would say, okay, Verizon can't overcome that, but the city can just mandate that you can connect all your buildings up in the air. All of a sudden, there's your middle mile network, right? And once that's done, all of the ISPs could use that, that middle mile, and all of a sudden, we have competition everywhere. A lot of New York City still never got fiber after all these years. The cable companies still have a lot of monopoly areas there. And it's all because of the the greedy building owners and nobody told them they couldn't do it. I mean, they should have passed laws to stop that nonsense. They never did that. Uh, and so, you know, they should have said, fine, you can charge a fee at your building. It's a dollar a year. I mean, they, they could have fixed it. Right. San Francisco did fix it. I mean, yes, not, they did. not they perfectly, did. but solved 90% of the problem with a smart. Line. Right. So, so that middle mile network was to finally overcome that problem. It was still been easier to just get rid of the, the rule but the city was going to build the middle mile. Uh, they could still fix it by getting rid of that rule. Obviously, they're not going to. This ruling's 100% in favor of the cable companies. Not in, not in favor of the fiber companies. It's in favor of the cable companies. That's an interesting decision. So How would you like that, Travis, if, if the city came to you and, and started giving everything to the cable companies and made your life miserable? Well, I guess... They, you know, the irony in Minneapolis is they, the, school, the schools use Comcast, the uh, city uses CenturyLink, and the park board uses Comcast. So none, none of them, other than the, uh, um, the, the Wi-Fi contract we actually have with the city. So, but it, but it's interesting you bring that up because we thought the same thing in downtown Minneapolis. We thought instead of digging up the streets, it'd be a heck of a lot easier. We have our called Skyways for those people that haven't been to Minneapolis. But basically, oh, yes. it's like an air bridge between two right. buildings. So, you know, I'm looking around the city. I go, well, why don't we just run from that building to that building through the Skyway and we could wire up this whole area? Oh, yeah. Mm, not going to happen. A and building B. Okay, maybe you negotiate those contracts, but you know what's in between the Skyway, which is owned by a third entity, Correct. which most of these are not even here in Minnesota. They're just in some private equity portfolio somewhere. And so uh, it was, you know what? It was easier to dig up the streets at a couple hundred dollars a foot than to even bother dealing with the buildings and the, um, right. and the owners. That's exactly wow. our point. Yep. Wow. I believe it. But in, in downtown Manhattan, you can't do it there. It can cost a quarter million a, a mile to build. It's just, Oh, I can't even imagine in Manhattan. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, how, how, and then, and then you're down the street. I'll try to get into the buildings. That's a whole nother project. You got to right. Oh no, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So the question that I wanted to ask Doug about is the ReConnect program, which is under the U.S. Department of Agriculture and has been um, used for distributing a few billion dollars 
in uh, services uh, for rural improvements. Um, it is known for having a lot of paperwork. Uh, it is also known for most of that money going to local private uh, companies or cooperatives, and in some cases, municipalities maybe, um, but generally smaller providers rather than the, the bigger ones. Uh, and so uh, there are a number of bills that are out there to try to improve ReConnect uh, with different changes to it. And I was just curious, Doug, um, how you would uh, address any, any shortcomings in ReConnect or how to make it better. The biggest problem with ReConnect is the it's done by the Rural Utility Service, which is part of the, part of the USDA, and they have rules that make them act like a bank, except the rules make them act like a bank from 1956, back when they first put these rules in place, so they've never been updated. And so they have these very archaic rules of how they have to put certain liens on the property and all sorts of stuff that have stopped a lot of companies from ever considering their money. And so because of that, what's happened is, because over the years, they were the original entity that actually funded electric co-ops way back in the day. If you created a co-op in the 30s, they lent you the money, and that's how you built your co-op. And those folks have still stayed loyal to them. So most of these grants go to their original owner, the people who used at USDA, because they already know them. So they sort of give the money to their friends, to be honest. <laughs> And so, and there's nothing wrong with that because electric co-ops do a great job with broadband. They're, they don't have any profit in their price. I mean, this, this is not a bad use of government money, right? And so, uh, but it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible for a municipality to get the money. And, and anyone like Travis who has commercial loans, he can't keep his commercial loan and also get from the USDA. They insist, we said earlier, first place in the priority of lending. Okay. So you, so you just can't borrow their money. And so the, I would fix that. But, but the problem with fixing that is we might open up the door to all that money going to CenturyLink. So I, I'm not sure I would change it, to be honest. It's, it's one of the few grants that have almost every one of their projects has done a very good amount of work. It works. You know, grant programs that actually turn into good broadband are kind of hard to complain about. The paperwork is not fun, but the people who are already RUS borrowers already know how to do that paperwork. So it's kind of a pool of money for people who are already in that system. It's a very small piece of the big puzzle. I'd say let them have it. At least somebody's doing it right. So, <clears throat> so I, I'm not sure I would change it. So, One of the things that I'd heard, uh, which I had not heard of before, is that in some cases it can be challenging where um, you get a grant, you build an area, and then you want to extend it to cover the street next to the area where you built it to. And my understanding is some of the rules can make that difficult because you have to basically make sure that anything that RUS funded can't help other things that are not related to that project or something. There's ways around that. You just have to be creative. Yeah. The good news is the people who work there are actually pretty friendly and negotiable and you can usually work around those issues. The paper, what the paperwork rules say and what the people there really enforce are quite honestly, do different things. And I shouldn't be saying that in a public forum. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it's reality though. I mean, like if you, if you're going to get involved with these things, you should definitely be talking yeah. to the program officers and getting yeah. a sense of how yeah. they navigate these, how things. they really make things work. Cause they're, they're not too bad to work with. Again, only if you're willing to work in that very narrow scope of funding. That would, so it's, it's, it, you know, if you're willing to do that, it's good. If you're not, it's impossible. So mm -hmm. Travis could never get alone there. So, yeah. 
We could. He just would never take it. So. And for I, I just I want to make sure people understand this because I know that ten years ago I would have missed the reason for this, but it, it comes down to um, if Travis needs to get money from a place, and like he's probably going to get money from more than one place, but every place he wants to get money from wants to be the first to get paid back to make sure that they have um, uh, they're minimizing their risk. And if uh, you have a big conflict over that, then you can't find the second piece of funding you need to pull a project together is that more or less it well yeah, in our, yeah and in the private world that's a syndication of banks mm-hmm. right and if you I get think, them talking to each other you can get that to work but you can't get government agencies to talk i think to what doug's saying is, is you can't take government <laughs> as one of the lenders no. in your syndicated borrowing in your no. in your in your capital partners Mm-hmm. See, all, all Travis has to do to get money is to go home and get his big glasses, and they just, that's it. Man. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. All, yeah, yeah I, you know, I've learned more about EBITDA leverage than I ever thought I'd know in my life. You know, it's it yeah. really, just, it becomes really just a function. And then, um, you know, I, I guess I'm finally proud after 15 years, we finally dumped our mezzanine debt. But, you know, oh, you, nice. have, you have to do that in the early stages. I think it, it just goes back to a lot of people I've met in this industry. They're very debt adverse. And it's really hard in the early stages. I mean, you just, you, you're so debt intensive. But this is what I've never understood about these government grants, like you're talking about this one here. So once they get built and they get customers and they have revenue going, can they use that revenue then to expand their network? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. They can. And usually well, this is a network that already exists, but they'd be going into a different area and they get this debt to do that. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And not but, not like a full greenfield type operation. But there are still some limits. There are some limits on how much of that money you can take out as dividends and profits, for example. So there are they, they act like a bank. They act yeah. like a bank. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. So um, I want to ask Travis a question here. I'm going to hold some things up, right? So when we talk about fiber optics, um, this is what I'm kind of familiar with. Sort of, I think you call loose. This is 256 count. Yeah. Um, loose tube. Yep. Uh, loose tube from uh, OFS where uh, you got 12 fibers in a buffer tube and you got, you know, however many buffer tubes you got. Um, I got my hands on some ribbon fiber. This is 288 strands. I don't know if it's coming in focus. Well, I can't believe that's 288 strands. That's They're very small. Yeah, that's, no, a lot of fiber. that's a 280. Here, hold it up a little farther. So that's a large cable for 288 nowadays. Well, now remember, those are ribbons. So, there's a so this is a ribbon. And so that's what I was, and the, yeah, my, microfiber I have elsewhere. I don't have it in my office right now, but um, uh, the microfiber stuff is fascinating too. But um, how many fibers are in each of these ribbons? That's what I was confused. It must be like 36. I don't know. Like Usually there are 12. Um, I just can't imagine. So like, if this is, this is labeled 288, but like there's not enough there? ribbons for there to be. How many are there? 10 are there, are there 24 see because most of the fusion splices, I guess. Ones i've worked with are all 12 12 so trend 24 splices. times huh. 12 yeah so. it looks like 12 okay yeah the rims are just so thin this stuff is amazing I, i'm yeah. gonna give you a i'm gonna give you a uh, 64 12 strand count hunk of cable to, to show you that it's not that much bigger than that yeah a fiber cable size has really it's amazing well, my understanding is like like though i have like a I actually have like a 64 uh, um maybe it's a a smaller count but it was interesting because it has just has a bunch of empty buffer tubes right they're yeah. still the same same form factor well it looks like your cable is is that an armored cable or not armored? yeah yeah it is um the well this one was you can see the armor here 
Yeah, okay. So um, those are bigger. This and one is look, not, but this is an older sample too. I have newer samples that are smaller, I think. And look how they used to do it with the big guide wire in the middle. You know, the, the tension. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Anything else that going works. on? You guys want to? Oh, you know what? We didn't talk about the line we extension. We didn't talk about line extension. Should, should, we, should we talk about line extension for 10 minutes? Well, or should let's we wait let Travis comes? go first. He likes the idea. Well, I, I didn't like it or not like it, but usually Chris is very animated on a topic, so I just and I didn't know a lot about it. So I just assumed it wasn't that great of an idea. And then I started thinking about, like, so if you've got a, a functioning Internet provider, let's just say is a, a mile away, and there's no possibility that they're going to serve that customer and there's no possibility that a, an alternate provider is going to come in Sure would seem like a line extension program would make sense in that scenario. Yeah. But... No, I'm I'm in favor of line extension oh, are. Okay. scenarios. Okay. Yeah, no, my concern is like take Lesueur County here in Minnesota, where like more than half the county is unserved. You're gonna spend a bunch of line extension money in there, and then you're gonna pay someone else to build a whole network that's gonna go right by those homes anyway, because a line extension program is no way to serve the entire um the entire county. Uh, so line extension <laughs> makes a lot of sense where you have small pockets. Like, I mean, like, remember we had Jeff on the show who is mm -hmm. in, um, in Ohio there and he's in yep, that yep. little pocket. Yeah. Perfect yep. example. That's a great place for a line extension program. Love yeah. it. And I looked at the maps in my city and I, I found 20 little pockets where Comcast is not, it would be great for them to go get the money to fill those in. They should do it out of their own money, but, and then there, some of those also didn't have DSL. There's folks in this city of no broadband in, in a downtown and, mm -hmm. because those things grow over time. And, and so a line extension is just perfect if somebody can use that money to get those folks hooked up finally. So. Also, to be clear, though, this is why people rail against debt buyback, right? Which I know there's like a whole thing right now about how people that are rail against debt buyback don't understand capitalism and blah, blah, blah. But like Comcast spent billions of dollars buying back debt rather than connecting those freaking people. Right. Thanks. Sure. <laughs> That's right. And, and connecting those people would have made them more money. Yes. Exactly. Well, it, but but, but it, it wouldn't make the current management more money. It would make it yeah. be down the road. See, that right. that's that's the problem is, you know, a lot of people are I mean, there's a whole nother topic we can talk about, which is supply chain next time. But it's amazing how much stuff is showing up right now. And I'm, I'm convinced it's because uh, management is, is is hunting bonuses. Oh, it's management by bonuses. That's the yeah. entire definition of a cable company. Yeah. Yes. So you gotta you gotta kind of think short term, but I was just um, I was just curious because the line extension in Jeff's case would seem to make complete sense. So then I started to think the logistics of trying to write the rules around it. Oh, that would be tough. That yeah, I mean, I would I would think that one of the ways that if I was charged with it to write the rules would be a certain amount of of unserved within a sea of served. That's what you're looking for, or you know, or isolated, you know, like a certain level of isolation. Yeah. I think. Um, now, the one in Maine is very simple. It just says we will give you up to X number of dollars for line extension. That's we it. Don't, like, we don't care where the heck it's at. Yeah. You know, if it's twenty thousand bucks to get to it, and they're going to give you nine hundred. You're not going to do it. So it almost has to be close to an existing network. Yeah, so sure. that, that's fairly simple. So. Yeah, but simple is better than complicated. Cases, in some cases, an extra nine hundred dollars is a game changer. Right. But, right. You know. Right. Uh, to get to get somebody served, and I don't know that that's a number, but it's something like that. I mean, no, but I'm just saying, even even if it's a small dollar amount, right? You know, right. It, it's definitely it's definitely worth it. 
And so one of the things you mentioned supply chain, Travis, I'm, I'm hoping we'll have a, be able to talk about this more in depth in the future, but I had talked to someone who uh, was building out a network and they were talking about how they're having supply chain issues with um, some of the vaults and things like that. And they found a local supplier, they got them a mold and boom, they're doing it local. And I, we'd asked before, kind of like, why isn't more of this happening? Like this stuff, this stuff isn't fiber optics. Right. And, and I think we are yeah. starting to see more, of that sort of local and uh, more more innovative solutions of like just having other people come into the market, which is how markets work, and that's why I like markets. Well, yeah, no, but but nobody, I don't. No one's come clean, but I have a conspiracy theory that this bead money, all these manufacturers were counting on it being out by now. Yes, they were. It doesn't sound like it's going to be out for maybe another year. Mm -hmm. So I would just tell folks if you are in the market to get product, now is a good time to order it because you will get it. We, mm -hmm. we have, it is February, what is it, 23rd? I thought it was the 16th, but anyways, it's February. <laughs> According to Chris, it's the 23rd. Yeah. Here at February 23rd, um, we You're have- from the future. Yeah. Some of us we live have, in the future, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> we have 95% of our material on site. Now that's a super huge problem because, you know, interest rates are eight, 9% now, but it's here. And, and, and if we were having this conversation a year ago, we'd be talking about maybe it wouldn't be here. Right, and there was right. a good chance. So anyways, I think it's uh, supply chain right now is is not a factor, I would say, at least for us. I, I, have, a, I have a closing thought. Yep. Close. Why didn't we why didn't we pull any of our guests in here today? What the hell? Um, yeah, so, our guest, uh, right? Yeah, well, I, maybe that's the answer. Yeah, yeah, that was a threat, I guess. You know, people yeah, were we like, said that, you know, they all disappeared, didn't they? Also, I, I did a real crap job of uh, promoting this. I think more people will watch this not live, unfortunately, because uh, we just did the, the building for digital equity thing. Um, we launched uh, the new website uh, this week. So um, now our, our muninetworks.org, the old design is gone and we've done a rebrand and we are going to be marching forward under the Community Nets logo. And well, it's actually the same logo, but um, under the Community Nets branding. Um, in part because there's just so much that's happening that's not municipal that we cover, and we don't want people to be confused, um, you know, about thinking we only cover municipal approaches. Uh, we're still going to have a ton of, uh, of focus on that, but um, we've had a very busy week around here, and it has um, resulted in, uh, you know, your host not being as prepared in knowing what day it is or uh, having uh, attracted the audience that we normally do. Well, I have a closing thought, too. For those of you that have not had an opportunity to read today's Pots and Pans Price for Life article, well done, Doug. I like that. Was, that, that was a good one. You want to tease it, Doug? Yeah. This is, I'm like, you're going to love this. T-Mobile is out, all those TV commercials. They're giving away FWS, FWA fiber at 50 bucks for life. For life. Well, they're never going to do that. <laughs> What they'll do is in three or four years they'll go. Oh, this is a new technology now. This is six, seven G, and yep. we're gonna. And you're not your price for life isn't here anymore. But they're out promoting that. And I'm just. And I was talking. I was admonishing or warning small ISPs not to fall for that kind of trick. Those kind of gimmicks don't work for small ISPs. You should never use gimmicks. The difference of Travis and the big guys is honest pricing all the time. Do not fall for that nonsense. That's how you run a good little ISP. So. So tell me that I'm wrong about this or how it's different. Longmont, I think a lot of its success comes from the charter membership program, which is a price for life <laughs> for those who sign up. 
uh, within three months of it becoming available in their neighborhood. That's what helped them get past the standard blog Comcast blockade of, of a cheap discounts. And it seemed to really work well. And when I talk to them now, even after inflation and everything else, they're uh, still really happy with it. What about in 30 years when those folks still have it? I mean, yeah. that's the problem is life is a long well, time with a five. Well, so here's the thing, right? It's a price. It's a price tied to gigabit for life. So when people right. want five gigabit or ten gigabit, at that point, they'll be on market rate. Yeah, I mean, if that worked for them, you know, and again, that was that was how they got into business. That's different than what you do every day. So sure, yeah. Yeah. that I, was a, I, that was way for them to raise money essentially. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a way to get past Comcast's chief advantage, which is temporarily reducing their prices. Well, and a lot of businesses do that. You know, Lifetime Fitness, they had a charter membership in the beginning. If you wrote a couple thousand dollar checks, then you, you only pay $20 a month now. They've been trying for years to get rid of that. Program, you know, and um, so. Well, this, yeah, my I, blog talked about the story where comcast did that in salt lake city and within two years they raised the rate on the price for life i love comcast yeah. i tell the smaller isps don't be so afraid you know every time you know this year the conversation is going to be verizon t-mobile and at&t next you know what last year it was doxis you know four it, it's always something you know what the difference is just do a good job servicing your customers. And, and, and it's it's old business one one, right? Yes. I just got a yeah. I just got a survey that came in from a a, a, a lady. She's like uh, twenty they're trying to get me over at Verizon for twenty five dollars a month. I'll never switch because you guys answer your phone when I need help. That's you know, it, it just comes down to that, right? right? But every you know, just don't be afraid. This this what do they call it? free range or whatever they knew their fancy term for this, you know, their, their LTE product. I'll just tell people, try it for a couple days and see how you like it. If you, gonna... And if you've never been on fiber, you'll probably love it. But if you've been on fiber, you're going to be like, Oh, what's this garbage? And you'll throw it in the garbage and move on because it's not that great. Yeah, no, I'm reminded of, I know you've had similar experiences, Travis, but one of my favorite stories, I visited Reedsburg, Wisconsin many, many years ago, and um, they were telling me about, they had um, a charter spectrum, had uh, at that point just charter, had blanketed the community with salespeople and gone around with really low prices. And over a course of like six weeks, Reedsburg lost 19 subscribers. And I think they said like within two months, 16 of them came back. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, it's exactly it. When, when CenturyLink did their big push in our neighborhood, we lost four. All four are back customers right now. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. It's, it's, it's just, you know, business, just old school business. Just service your customers. That's all you got to do. And yeah, and, and don't assume you're going to get 100% of the market, but hell, you, you don't have. Yeah. So build your, build your financial models around 50%. You'll be fine. And that's part of the reason people do these promotions. Somehow they think they should get everybody. You're never supposed to get everybody. Nope. And they're, uh, you, Doug, you probably know they're probably disappointed when they only got a few percent. We'll just right. do a few percent every month. Pretty soon you've got half the market. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Chattanooga is over 70% now, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, Cedar Falls is up around 80, 90%, I think, um, which yeah, is about as high as I've seen. Mine net is at 84% now in Oregon. So Oof, the Monmouth and Independence. In, they and, they uh, pretty much have everybody. Yeah. 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 That's remarkable. And I remember, you remember back in the day when um, uh, Phil was running it and they were worried about it and there was all kinds of panic and this and that. And it's nice how some of these places really get it together, even if they stumble here yeah. and there. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
we have a great uh, podcast with Chattanooga uh, this week on the Community Broadband Bits feed. Check that out. And right now we are looking for people that want to apply. Um, uh, people that are not like the dum-dums on this show, but people who have PhDs uh, in the humanities uh, are eligible for a fellowship. Uh, starting in September, they would be placed with us to do two years of work working on tribal broadband issues. Um, this is an ACL, ACLS fellow position. So if you know people that have PhDs uh, recently in the humanities who would like to do something significant uh, around broadband and tribes, uh, it'd be a great place to, for them to come to. Well, that excludes Travis and I. That, man, I and I'm me. out. <laughs> yeah. I only know one PhD in my whole life, so that's it. So. Oh, you know, we've got a PhD running the show right now. It's the only one I know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, I, and I'm proud of it, too. So um, so this has been wonderful. We do have a show next week. Uh, it will be a show without Travis and Doug, because neither of you want to come to San Antonio. But um, Kim and I will be there. Did I say next week? I mean, in two weeks. Um, it'll be on Wednesday night, the uh, March 1st, I want to say. March 2nd. It must be March 2nd. Um, it's the Wednesday night in two weeks. It's going to be a live show. We're going to be, we're going to be doing it live with everyone is going to be live, including Angela Seifer. And, um, we'll have four guests like usual. We're going to have a rotating fifth person to come in from time to time. This is a test to see how well it works. And then we're going to do it at more events. Uh, where and they're, they're going to be close to the bar. There's going to be some, we are providing, we are providing refreshments at the event. Oh, so. oh, hold on. So episode, 60, <laughs> episode 65 will not have Duggar Eye in it? It no. will not, unfortunately. Oh, you're going to see a huge, well, you got oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So can we be guests commenting in the uh, sidebar? Please do. It, it will be an evening show. It'll be like about 6.30 Central Time, I think. Um, so uh, would love to have you guys commenting and uh, and and tearing us apart. I, uh, Travis, you and I can do a drinking game on how many yeah, times. Yeah, 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 yeah. How, no. how many times he rants will drink. What do you think? Oh, well, but I mean, in person, I don't rant. I'm so much more Who's going to wind you up? I don't know. We got to call, call Kim. Let her know. You know yeah, we got we got to talk to her. Okay. Yeah. Hey, so you, this can, will be an experiment. Hold on. But, Trivia question: Who were the two old men Muppets in the uh, that sat Waldorf the and um, oh, oh, Rosencrantz? Well, no. It, well, now it's going to be Doug and Travis up in the box heckling. <laughs> yeah. <you. laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh come on, Statler, Waldorf and Statler. No well, one got yeah, in the wow, chat that's yet. Pretty good. That's okay, pretty I'm good. Playing, I'm not yeah, playing not... Trivial Pursuit with you. Nope, so. nope, not with him. I uh, I was a huge Muppets fan. I still am. I wish my son would get into it. If anyone can teach me how to force him into it, I need some emotional manipulation to get him into the Muppets. I would. My Muppets. life would improve. Oh, I never knew that. How about Fraggle Rock? No, I didn't get into Fraggle Rock as much. I don't know okay. why. So Muppets was it. Yeah. Um, like we put a link in there for the uh, Connect This Show, and it uh, looks like we're having an issue. Um, that link apparently... It's not working right now, but um, people should uh, sign up for our newsletter at communitynets.org or stay tuned to our social media channels. We'll be promoting that event. But but I'm excited, Travis, because we're going to we're going to go to like Orlando or we're going to go to Houston or we're going to go to Denver. There's shows coming up where we're going to get you there and maybe we'll get Doug to one of them. And we're going to do a live show uh, with the regular crew at some point in 2023. I really hope. Final question for Doug and you. So I was watching the, the history of uh, bulletin boards and original slip PPP dial-up uh, ISPs said that the UK is retiring all of their legacy phone lines in 2025. 
and everything, the entire country will be voice over IP. Have you heard of an initiative going on in the U.S. for that? You know, Verizon has done a very good job of getting rid of most of theirs. AT&T would really like to. And okay. a lot of the small companies that built fiber have completely gotten rid of them. So no, I was just curious. There's still a, but there's still a lot of it left. Yeah. Yeah, the switch networks are going away, you know, in favor of yeah. packet networks. So I was. But this curious. is where regulation matters, also, because I think in the UK they're they're coupling that with Ofcom, where I think they have regulations around it. We've had issues where under the Obama administration there were rules that when like AT and T and Verizon switched people off, they had to be given notice. There had to be alternatives. There's a bunch of things, and then the, the Trump FCC under a GPI said the magic of competition will solve all this. So all these people in rural areas that are getting cut off have nothing, and they may not even know they're getting cut off because the FCC decided that it would be cool if they just had AT and T do whatever they wanted to do. If they find out the day it doesn't work anymore. Yes. So. Yeah. yeah. I was. I was just curious. I, it was interesting. Uh, interesting conversation. Do you know any of the folks that run any of the ISPs overseas, Mr. Um, only in Sweden. Okay. Um, but um, you know the the folks that built um the barn network, the B4RN network. That's uh, sort of like a real grassroots effort in rural England. Uh, they were fans of ours back in the day, and uh, and they might still follow our social media. So we could try to get in touch with them if you if you think that would be a fun. Conversation. I, I just thought, I thought it'd be interesting, you know, uh, just some interesting people to talk to about, you know, what it's like building in these, I guess, more regulated areas like they have. Mm -hmm. There could be pros and cons to it. We should, we should try to get them on in one of these shows. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Cool. Uh, it's been wonderful. Thank you both for, for stepping up. We miss Kim. Kim's wonderful. Um, and uh, so we'll do it next week and then we'll compare numbers. We'll do it in two weeks. We'll do it without oh. you and then we'll compare numbers. <laughs> oh, we are not Travis. We are not Kim. We are. All yeah. There. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I will bet you on anything. That one I'm not taking. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, and actually, by then, uh, I will have just lost my bet. So I hope you are paying attention because I'll have to say something about that, I guess. There's still hope. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're going through. They, 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 could, they could vote her in next week. Triple or nothing. And then she could, the first day in, she could change the rules. Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. Come on. Proper retirement. I, I, I was just, yeah. You know, I'll send you that link to this uh, BBS. This uh, BBS slip PPP brings back some memories for those of us, oh, yes. Doug, back, back in the day. Well, so. That's where we started. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. This has been a fun three-person episode of Connect This. Mm -hmm.